Good morning. Um, we're going to continue our series on the liturgy today on the adult meeting. Let me share my screen. Um, so today we're going to talk about the liturgy and the church structure. Um, Uh, today we'll talk about liturgy and church structure. Uh, today's the seventh lesson in our series. As you can see, we've done quite a bit on the liturgy, the history, the theology, the spirituality, the Old Testament, and the priesthood. And today we'll talk about the church uh, structure. And it's always important to remember why we study liturgy. We talk about this every time. This allows me to fully participate in my whole being. Uh, and today shows us the importance of the church structure in the role of our spiritual life. So the church everything in the church is symbolic. And so even the, the building itself is designed in such a way that's to, designed to elevate our minds toward God and toward what we're doing. Uh, you know, why just pray in a regular building when I can pray in something far more beautiful? So a quick review from last time, the word liturgy literally means work of the people. It means people and erg means work. Um, and so this is a public service that we undertake through uh, through the people and for the people. It's not uh, at the people or it's on behalf of the people. That's not the case, um, but it's something we all do together, clergy and laity. Um, quick uh, reminder, when, when Christ says, do this in remembrance of me, he uses this word anamnesis, uh, which, is the, which is the opposite of amnesia. Amnesia, of course, is to forget the future and the past, or the past and the present. And anamnesia, anamnesis is the opposite of that, which is to remember the past and the present. So we are remembering the actual Eucharist and the liturgy and the Last Supper at the time of the Eucharist. Um, some of the consequences for this reviewing from last time in history of the split between the spiritual and the liturgical life, um, uh, it uh, became optional just to understand the liturgy and just to perform. And, and we see this sometimes in the, in the rites of the church. Uh, we can see that no one knows what's going on in the church. There's a big gulf between the laity and the clergy. And this ultimately gave birth to the Protestant movement that sort of denied the, the priesthood, denied St. Mary, denied really everything uh, Orthodox, the Eucharist and the sacraments and the church structure on uh, all of these things. And, and we put up this, uh, this kind of continuum here that uh, goes between Catholicism, which is focused on the rituals and the body. Uh, this is at the time of the, of the, of the, dark ages, and then the Protestant movement that evolved out of that, which is focused on the spirit, all the meaning and no rights. So uh, it must be noted that, you know, some topics can be studied for the sake of knowledge and not practical application, right? So if I want to memorize, for example, the names and locations of the 12 tribes of Israel, and I want to memorize this map of the Old Testament. You know, me today as a Christian, I can do that. Um, but that's that's really something for my own knowledge. I, it's it's very hard to imagine that that's going to uh, you know uh, move me forward in my spiritual life if I memorize the name and order of all the kings you know that came before and you know after David. Um, so, but but the the liturgy, you know, it can't ever be allowed to be that way. Sorry. Um, uh, it can't be allowed to be reduced to such a secular uh, a collection of names and dates, in fact. And, and 
Um, and so we study all of these things for the spiritual life. So even the, the church structure and the building is studied for the spiritual life, the daily participation in the life, the feast, the fast. We want to look up and we want to be able to feel God's presence. Um, and so we don't need to learn the church to learn the rules and regarding its structure and what we're supposed to do. And, you know, you're supposed to do this. Um, rather, it, help, it helps elevate our own minds to the heavenly life, uh, which we're trying to obtain. So that's the whole idea is it's supposed to put you in heaven. It's supposed to be an icon uh, of heaven itself and give you a glimpse into where it is we're going, um, you know, to, 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 to help us as, as people, with, as humans with limited visibility, limited eyesight, limited uh, vision uh, to see what we can't see. Um, and so that's the idea is it guides our minds uh, uh, and it's worthless, this, this design, if we don't understand what it means, right? If, if, if the church went through all of this trouble to create all of these thoughts and ideas and let's build it like this and then people will think this um, and then you don't, <laughs> you know, you just end up walking in and walking out, you know, then it kind of loses its purpose. So one of the reasons we study all these rituals is to the church structure in particular so that we can actually benefit um, when we walk into the church. So the church building has three shapes, as many of you know, the cross, the ship, uh, and Noah's Ark. Um, the ship is Noah's Ark and then the circle, the symbol of infinity. And the, the question is why? Is this what God wants? And the answer is no. God does not ask us to build like this. This isn't going to appease God uh, in somehow if we build our church according to these rules. Rather, um, it's, it's designed for me, right? It's designed so that when I walk into a ship, I think I'm in a ship, right? A ship saves me from the water. It saves me from the ocean. In the ship, I'm safe. In the ship, I am saved, right? I have to stay in the ship. Right. And that's that's for me. God doesn't need me to, to be sitting in a ship, uh, you know, a, a church building shaped like a ship. He doesn't need me to, uh, you know, to be in a cross and go, oh, look at now, you know, now you're ritualistically correct. Um, he doesn't really care. It's, it's for my limited and small mind to, to try to grasp what God has done for me. Uh, and these are, this is really the primary uh, objective of, of the church buildings. So this is what the cross looks like uh, from you know, an aerial view. So there's lots of churches that are shaped like a cross. Um, this is another one. You can see this one is an, uh, an Orthodox one and it's shaped like a more like a Coptic cross. And you, you'll often find five domes on some of these churches. So a big one for Christ in the middle and then the four evangelists on the sides. Uh, this one is St. Mina's Church in Riverside. This is uh, obviously shaped like a ship, uh, and it even has oars that come out of it uh, because that was the that's the design and that's the intent uh, of the design. And then finally, a circle, right? So this is St. George's Church in, in Egypt, and you can see that uh, the whole thing is, is, a, is a complete circle. We'll talk about the circle, but the circle is always a symbol of of, 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 of uh, eternity because it has no beginning and no end. So just like eternity has no beginning and no end, a circle or a ring even, that's why we wear rings um, for weddings, um, it's a symbol of, of God, this uh, idea of, of no beginning and no end. So the church building itself has three main sections, the narthex, the nave, and the sanctuary. <coughs> the narthex down here is where we start as we walk in, oftentimes there are three doors um, at the, at entering the church, which is always symbolic of the Trinity. So not just because we want three to be the Trinity, but because the beginning of the belief, uh, the faith in, in, in Orthodoxy and Christianity is the Trinity. 
So we walk in and often right as you walk in on the on the right hand side, you have the baptistry. We'll talk about that in a second. The nave is the main body of the church, literally means the body. And then the sanctuary is where we, we put the altar. Uh, sometimes people will nickname it, that's the altar. It's not the altar, it's the sanctuary. Um, and then oftentimes there'll be three doors here, a main, the royal door, and then two deacon doors that come in from the side. Uh, and we'll talk about all of these uh, in a bit. So the first thing is the baptistry is right as you walk in, it's on the northwest corner in the church. So it's right as you walk in, it's on your left. Uh, and the reason we put it there is because uh, after someone is baptized, he, you know, he, he walks in in the west and then he, he gets baptized and he moves forward to the east, right? And he moves from the left to the right. And so we always put the baptistry there on, on, the, on the northwest corner, which is the left west side. And at William Shoy Cam, we used to have this a beautiful uh, thought that he said, as soon as you enter the church, always look to your, your left there and, and see where you were born. You know, and, and people like to go back and visit where they were born, uh, the city they were born in, the hospital, the city, you know, the, the apartment that they came home to. And then he said, do that. Walk by and look and say, I was born there, right? This is, this is when I started my life. Um, the, the, the baptistry can take several shapes. Usually it's a circle, again, the, the symbol of eternity, but it could also take the shape of a cross. Uh, and I've seen some that look like an octagon and the octagon uh, has eight sides on it. And the number eight, it has a beautiful symbol because eight is the number of the resurrection. It's the number of newness, right? Because God created the world in seven days, right? So uh, seven days is, is a symbol of completeness, right? He completed the whole thing in seven days. So that's this, this complete number, right? And then once you start the next day, right? Then the, the eighth day, it's the new beginning. It's the new, it's starting a new week. Right. And so from the very beginning, this is why Christ chose to resurrect on a Sunday. Right. And, and he started something new. Right. And then the church, the apostles quickly moved the holy day from Saturday to Sunday. And everyone realized that Sunday is the first day of the week and the eighth day of the week. Right. So it, it starts a new beginning uh, and something after uh, uh, the period ends of, of, of what, what the uh, eternal, uh, the um, initial um, creation was. And then sometimes even they have separate entrances and separate stairs uh, into the church. So sometimes the baptistry will have its own doors. And so the baptized comes in from those doors from the West. He walks in, he gets baptized, or she, and then he walks into the church through a different set of doors, right? It's almost as if the old man is dead, the old creation is dead, right? And now I'm entering as, as a new, uh, new person, a new beginning. And then sometimes even you have a different set of stairs, right? So like this one in Ephesus, uh, I was there and I saw this baptistry in the ground, I loved it. So it gets filled with water. You walk in from one side, from the west, you get baptized and you don't even walk out the same stairs. You walk out a different set of stairs because you are a new man, a different creation. So you don't even come in the way you went out. You don't even go out the way you came in. Um, and so it's a very beautiful symbol of how big and how important the baptism uh, was. All right, so now this is the church building, uh, just kind of a, a cutout. Here you have the, the narthex back here. This is the nave in the middle. This one is shaped like a cross, obviously. And then the sanctuary in here. And then here you have this dome up on top. So we'll kind of go through. We said that the baptistry is down here in this corner, um, in, the, in, the, in this bottom corner. And, uh, and then you walk through the church. Usually the church is, the church is always oriented toward the east. 
um, in, the, in the Coptic tradition, the reason we always face the east. There's several reasons uh, that are beautiful. One, the one I particularly like is the, the paradise of joy where Adam was created was in the east. And so we always are looking toward that state of Adam before the fall, right? So when God created man before the fall, he created him in communion and harmony with him. And that state is what we, we miss and what we've lost. And so we are yearning toward that state. So the church is how we get to that state, right? And so that's where we're looking. That's the goal. Uh, that's the target. Okay. So the dome, and then here you see the dome up here, usually it has Christ the Pantocrator on it. The dome is always a, a circle, like I said before. And what's interesting about a dome is it's a circle that sits usually on a rectangle. So it's got a beautiful, it's got a beautiful meaning that the dome is always a symbol of infinity of God. And then the, 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 the church building, the structure itself actually has four corners. And that's the four, that represents the four corners of the earth. And so the, the square, the rectangle is earth and the dome is heaven. And so the church is where heaven and earth come together, right? And if the church is the body of Christ, Christ is God and man. And Christ is where God and man were united without separation and without, uh, even, not for a single moment or a twinkling of an eye. Okay, so I like that, this, this symbolism that the, the dome comes down, sits on the earth, and this is where heaven meets earth, right? And this is the beautiful, beautiful part of the church, and usually uh, symbol, and then usually put a cross always at the highest point of the church. This one is interesting because it, it's got four things, so you can see it helps across from any direction uh, you look at it. That's why they make it like that. This is what the dome looks like inside. This is the Christ, the Pantocrator. Usually they'll put uh, blue around the dome and stars because it's, it's, it represents Christ in heaven. So you look up and you see heaven, although you're sitting on earth. And then usually they'll put in the four corners, uh, the four evangelists, um, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, uh, and they will be, you know, looking towards Christ and, and writing about him. Uh, the iconostasis uh, is, a, is a screen, literally means an icon screen or an icon holder. And it's this brown structure here that separates the sanctuary from the, um, the, the nave. Uh, and it does several things. First, it holds the icons. Um, but then second, some people think it, it, it separates the, the sanctuary from the, the the altar from the from the sorry the sanctuary from the nave it doesn't really separate as much as it connects because if, if the sanctuary is heaven right and we move from earth to heaven the connection between earth and heaven are the saints are christ right so they're standing if you will it's almost like they're standing with their backs to heaven and that's why we always have the gold behind them and we'll talk about that next time they're standing in heaven and they're looking at us and they're yearning for us to join them and they're praying for us and they're encouraging us and they're like come on you can finish this race so we look at them they're in the east they're in the paradise of joy where adam was created they're in heaven with god they're in communion with god and they're looking at us like come join us and they, and they want us to be there with them um and so they they're the connection between us and heaven they're that that middle ground the, the icon screen always has a certain tradition to it uh, always on top you have Christ and then John and Mary, uh, sorry, John and Mary underneath the cross, the, the, the two that, uh, that made it to the cross. There's always the Last Supper in the middle. And then you always have the 12 apostles here on either side. Um, interesting note that this, is, this icon has Judas in it. This is the traditional way to depict the, uh, depict the Last Supper. You always want the icon with Judas in it. 
um, because he, after he took communion, he then left and went and sold Christ. And then we always have Christ and St. Mary on either side. And Christ and St. Mary, Christ is always the king and St. Mary is his queen, so she's always to his right. So if you look at this icon, you flip it, she's standing on his right. And even in this, in this icon, she's on his right again. So even on, when she's sitting on his lap, they don't always put him in the middle, they'll put him just slightly off the middle uh, in the Coptic tradition. Uh, this one's obviously very beautiful. And then over here to the side, you can see that John the Baptist, the icon of St. John the Baptist is here. Usually uh, they put the icon of the Epiphany in here. Um, uh, the, the icon of the Epiphany usually is in the baptistry. Um, the traditional, traditional icon that should be here is actually the icon of St. John the Baptist himself. Um, usually the one with his wings holding his head. Unfortunately, this has disappeared from the Coptic tradition over the last 40 years. This was, I think, this icon was a pet peeve of Vaishnudas, and so he kind of ordered that that icon be removed. Um, and so now we just have the icon of the Epiphany twice. We have it here um, next to Christ, and then we have it um, next in the uh, baptistry over the baptismal font. And then here you can put the saints of the church, and here you see Saint, uh, looks like Saint Maurice. And this is just another view. Uh, of the church. These are the two uh, mangaleas or the uh, place uh, podium, podium, uh, podiums where you read um, from. And then this is a different uh, uh, iconostasis, of course, but here you have the royal doors. And so on the royal doors, you uh, you, you put in, uh, so this design is interesting because this th these doors uh, has the, has the um, Last Supper in it. Oftentimes, um, the the on the side of on the side of Saint Mary you have the Annunciation here, and then you should have the Annunciation on the royal doors. So this is an interesting design because I don't think it's very traditional. Um, usually the royal doors have the Annunciation on them, and the reason is the door is the entryway into this process of the incarnation and the birth of Christ, and the um, doors are, uh, and that's why we put the Annunciation there because that's the first step that happened in this process of salvation, right? Christ came to St. Mary and this started, the, 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 this is when Christ came to earth, right? This is when she conceived um, and, the, and, uh, and, and Angel Gabriel gave her all the good news. And I love this icon here. This is just a different church at St. Frina. I just love it. Um, so I, I put it up there because it's so beautiful of St. Mary uh, receiving the good news from, from Gabriel. And then now you have uh, back here, if you look, there's usually back here, there's the icon of the Pantocrator. And in this corner, if we go back way back here, you can see usually this part here is curved. Okay, so this is called the apse or the niche, or usually it's called the bosom of the father in Arabic, it's Hodn al-Eb. And usually you have an icon of Christ as the Pantocrator in that icon, in that uh, little area. So here you can see the icon of Christ, He's surrounded by the 24 priests. This is from the book of Revelation. It says there's 24 priests with bowls of incense, offering him incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And that's why in our church, the incense is always a symbol of the prayers of the saints. And around him, you have the four bodiless creatures. Uh, we'll get a little bit closer look here in a second. Um, there's the four bodiless creatures. One is the face of a man, one is the face of an eagle, one is the face of an ox, and one is the face of a lion. Uh, and these always represent the, the four evangelists. The face of a man um, is, uh, uh, sorry, the face of an eagle is St. John. The face of the lion is St. Mark. The face of the, the ox is, uh, sorry, St. Luke. The face of the lion is St. Mark. And the face of a man is St. Matthew. 
Um, each one, uh, John talked about the divinity of Christ. That's why we put him as an eagle that flies high. The one is uh, the face of a bull is St. Luke because he often talked about the sacrifices of the Old Testament. The face of the lion is St. Mark because he starts his gospel about with about St. John, uh, someone who is walking in the wilderness, make way, make straight the paths of the Lord. And the face of a man uh, is St. Matthew because he talked about his humanity. And then here you can see a different view of the 24 priests. This is Stefan René writing an icon, I think it's in New Jersey, of the Pantocrator, which again is just super beautiful. Um, and then again, you can see the four bodiless creatures there as well. And this is another one, I think this one is in Australia, uh, where you can see the cherubim and the seraphim as well with their six wings. Um, two, with two they cover their face, with two they cover their feet, and with two they fly and uh, they're full of eyes. And so this is different imaginations of, of what these wings would look like uh, from the book of Isaiah. Okay, and then uh, regarding the sanctuary, the, uh, what we do, we always put in the sanctuary uh, is the altar. This is, you can see the curved bosom of the father there. Here, I'll go back to this. Oh, here, yeah, this one's a good one. You can see the sanctuary here is um, can, uh, the altar here can be several different materials. It can be <clears throat> uh, stone, which it usually is marble, or it could be wood, or it could be steel. Uh, it's usually hollow inside, uh, because inside we used to put the relics of the martyr, of martyrs. And so this is where the tradition of naming the churches comes from. Um, the, uh, the, it used to be when you went to St. George's Church, it, the reason it's called St. George's is because the relics of St. George were in that church. And so this is where the tradition of naming the uh, Meaning the uh, all the the churches came from. Uh, obviously, we ran out of you know actual relics of saints, so we just started naming them without the relics being in there. But usually, they're hollow inside uh, for several reasons. That way, you can put the relics of the saint underneath them. Uh, also, in case the the church is attacked, you can take the mysteries and you can hide them underneath the altar uh, as well. So they're usually hollow inside. You can see this one has two candles on it. Um, that's not very traditional. Uh, the, the correct thing is to not to put really anything on the altar. So usually the candle stands should be separate and standing, freestanding on their own. Um, even, you know, deacons when they put their books or they lean, none of that's really respectful to the altar. We, you know, even if you have a book, you hold it or you, you at least don't lean on the altar yourself. So the, the keys don't put anything on the altar. Uh, and then on the altar on, its, on itself is this, uh, what we call the ark, which is what holds the chalice. Um, and this is, the chalice is obviously top heavy, right? Because of all the, the blood is in the top and so it can tip over easily. So this chalice, the, the ark comes down and holds uh, the chalice in place. Uh, and as you know, the, 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 the sanctuary is a very blessed place and we take our shoes off uh, in the sanctuary um, because Moses, well, when, when uh, we, we get this symbolism from Moses, when he stood in front of the burning bush, he said, take off your shoes for where you stand is holy ground. So we've learned that God views things this way. Um, having said that, you know, one very important thing here, again, going back is, is we don't take our shoes off because God gets upset if we put our shoes on. Um, we take our shoes off for us um, because it's something that gives us reverence to the place. Not that, you know, it's forbidden to wear your shoes and, you know, someone's going to get angry and, you know, people, you know, when some poor little kid walks in the altar with his shoes on, you know, God forbid, you know, 30 adults jump in and say, hey, take your shoes off, you know, like it's some, you know, really, really important thing. No, we, we take our shoes off because it helps me uh, as a person realize this is a holy place and I'm going to separate it by doing something silly and little and, uh, and, and meaningless, like take my shoes off. 
right? But for me, it distinguishes this place as a different kind of place. It's not the place of the world where I keep my shoes on. Um, that's it uh, for the talk on the on the the, the, the church. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, God willing, um, we. Uh, opened escrow two days ago on our own church building. So uh, God willing, we will maybe have some more talks in the church building uh, as we start to um, work through uh, the rituals of the church ourselves. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, God bless all of you. And I uh, hope to see you uh, in person at some point.